0: the world enters a new age, great minds have trained a careful eye on the skies and discovered an impressive and startling change has occurred. Our sun, the solar essence of all life, has shifted hues from a rich yellow to a pale off-white. What is going on? Anyone with their eyes on the ground can see things are changing at a rapid pace and today we've enlisted an expert of a rare pedigree to assess our next steps in this new year of the water rabbit. The sky-watching sage, Crow777, has swooped down from his perch over the leading edge to join me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode with Crow777.
1: So the children had got to an age, and from my point of view, they truly were going to change things. For the first time, young people were going to have some say. And one of the things was, we're not down with our parents' world. We're not down with war. We're not down with all these things. And the social engineers went to work. And it worked more beautifully, I think, than any they could have ever hoped for. They took a generation apart. They broke the family unit. They broke the moral values that were previously ours in this country. They normalized drug use. Drugging the living bejesus out of not just that generation, but it echoes all the way into this generation. It was quite, quite successful. That's why we talked so much about the 60s, to show that that social engineering was effective in ways we'll probably never imagine. And what's interesting, is they even managed to kill the peace love idea that they fostered in a weird direction.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and with me is a returning champion, someone who broke all records that we had on this show. He is a Goliath of a guest, and I am so excited to have him back here on the show. His name is crow triple seven and you know him from crow triple seven radio.com that's crow with two r's be sure to check the link in the description if you're not already surprised but i'm surprised if you're not because crow's been around way longer than i have and he is sort of like a fixture in this community and i'm excited to find out that he will be setting his sights on the sun soon enough crow welcome back to the show how are you and what's been unfolding recently in your life
1: I'm all good. And thank you so much for having me. I see you dotted your eyes and doubled your R's, which is always good to tell folks. <laughs> There's a lot of pretenders out there in the world. As you mentioned, I saved up for years to buy a quite sizable professional solar telescope. And I intend to start going after the sun, to see what I can learn in, in maybe a more precise fashion than I did with the moon. In terms of where we are in the world, the sun is A bigger deal immediately but it is very very difficult to film the sun particularly in the ways that i want to it's one thing to put in an eyepiece it's another thing to take a still image and it's entirely another thing to try to make high quality video of the sun but that's what i'm going to attempt to do and as fate would have it the larger the aperture of the solar telescope can make it more difficult depending on the quality of your seeing
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So
1: are you are
0: you worried that you may your vision is is declining and you're not going to be able to use it is
1: that what you're suggesting? No, the aperture of a scope determines how much light it collects. And so when you're looking at the sun, you're um, getting a lot of light, (laughs) you're getting a lot of light. And so if there is high humidity or they've been chemtrailing the bejesus out of us, Ah, uh, the, the size of the aperture can actually work against you. There are ways to get around it, but in general, filming the sun in the way that I used to with a DSLR, it's problematic. A DSLR heats up the heat of the day, heats it up, but I've got new cameras and we're going to see what we can do.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm excited to see what comes of that. And yeah, people shouldn't expect anything less than great considering your work into the moon, our other celestial body that's closest to us. And when it comes to the sun, it seems like in my short lifetime, I'm only 28, that there has been a shift. I recently learned about this, color difference in the sun and that some people suggest the sun used to be much more yellow than it is now. Now we're in, I don't know the exact scientific terms, but we're in a sort of white sun. The sun is is maximum color or its dominant color is white rather than yellow. Uh, Have you looked into
1: this at all, sir? Yeah, I'm aware of it. Almost all of us who are of an age, remember a more yellow sun. You can see this in children's artwork. used to be we all used yellow to draw the sun with our crayons, and now a lot of people are just leaving it white. And it's true, it got paler. When I first got my first small um, hydrogen alpha solar telescope, there was a lot of activity on the sun, surface details, prominences, and then that fell off sharply, I don't know, around 2014 maybe, or after that sometime and it became very calm now nasa's going to tell you about solar minimum and all this other stuff but i don't accept what nasa tells me because i've been lied to too many times but it seems that prominences spots and surface detail may be rising right now which i'll learn more about when i actually get behind the scope again but i would venture to suggest that the sun changes with the air as a matter of fact i would say the sun is the arbiter of an era change and I think it's pretty clear that we're changing pretty quickly right now in this world.
0: Yeah and and it does seem like the era that we're going to spend some time talking about today the 60s and the 70s seems like that was a sort of precursor to the changes that were to come almost like you know a, a sort of wave form that crests and then dives and then peaks and then crests again right and i feel like we're heading towards that peak but we saw a glimpse of it in the 60s and 70s and yeah it feels like people have changed their habits and and maybe this is due to entrainment but i'm wondering if you think the sun's nature shifting or, or quality shifting has led to people being more sedentary, more isolated and indoors, things like,
1: like that, you know, antisocial really, it seems. Well, I, 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 well, the the sun, does, in fact, ensure that we as a species come along with the era. You'll notice a consciousness shift sometime after the year 2000. You could really see it in children born in the late 90s having just extraordinary abilities that their parents couldn't have had. But what I think you're pointing to is the perfection of social engineering, which in my lifetime, absolutely, I can mark the day. When the foundations were being laid and that would be 11 22 63 but this has been going on a lot longer people would tell you that had a view of it that world war one was many times as you know change making as 9 11 was so Part of it is we have the view of when we're alive, but, you know, all these big so-called world wars, in a way, we're kind of in that now. It's just we're not using bullets and bombs anymore, per se. It's culture changes because of culture. And the problem for us in the West is we really don't have real culture for the most part. In a real world, in a real society, culture tends to be based on My parents taught me things they had learned that they had been taught that are important that we need to know. What culture has become in the country that I grew up in is we watch some movies and we like some TV shows and we're addicted to news. And so therein becomes the real change in people's perceptions. And then of course we got to throw in the internet, right? We had all this promise for an information age and basically what it's done is separated us and controlled us in a lot of ways when i was young we had face-to-face relationships with all my friends i would maybe use a phone to determine when we were going to meet up and where now it's the other way around a lot of these young relationships occur the majority of the time over a device the the face-to-face human interaction has truly been diminished through the social programming and of course by the digital era that allows communication at a distance at any time Yeah, definitely. It's getting grimmer
0: and grimmer. And uh, yeah, as someone who's sort of slightly older than that generation that got inundated with the devices, I I saw it firsthand. Uh, I, I couldn't, you know, completely be separate from it. I fell victim to it to some degree, but yeah, I do remember what it was like to dial up a, a house phone and, and have, have to remember your friend's phone numbers and things like that. But 1122,
1: well, we, go ahead. Well, we should point out this gloom and doom mindset has been pervasive. And that too is social engineering, the hopelessness, the feeling of hopelessness. And that do, it doesn't have to be that way. As a matter of fact, people who follow me know how important I hold the sky clock which is the arbiter of the energies in this world. And anyone who's lived through a year knows the difference between winter and summer as proof of the energy shifts we can have based on what the sky clock is doing the energies are changing as we go into the spring equinox which for me in rhode island it's based on geography by the way the news lies every year says it's 21 or 22. that's not true you get your equinox based on geography for me saint patrick's marks the day which was the vatican's rebranding of the equinox idea. So on the 17th, I will have the equinox as we come into spring. The energies are really much more favorable for the, I'll just call us commoners, which isn't a very nice thing to say, but the majority of us, the energies are going to be in our favor. This kind of iron gripped top down control Saturnian crystallization limiting ideas that's falling off right now and that gives us all a chance. As a matter of fact, I would point out, it's even reflected on the other side of the world. China's into the year of the water rabbit. I am actually a rabbit by the Chinese zodiac. It's the luckiest of zodiacal signs, but it's all about hope and luck and good fortune. And, you know, so even over there, they're marking what I'm telling you is true based on how we view things in the West. There is a real chance for us to stand up and contribute to the change that is absolutely coming. This train's on the track. It's going to a destination, but we can all shape that we can all help with that and this hopeless idea that the news tries to instill into us and the social engineering and the horrible movies they put out now and the you know horrible television shows it's all meant to make you feel hopeless and there's no reason for that we were all granted free will and we can in fact with energies in our favor exert what we would like to see happen so to to become hopeless is a huge mistake mm-hmm.
0: Well said. and I'm glad we're starting off on this positive foot. I think uh, you mentioned a date, eleven twenty-two, nineteen sixty-three. For folks who don't know, and you should know, if you're an American, that that was the date that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And yeah, the he hits was com- coming.
1: <laughs> the hits kept coming in that decade. I'm sorry for stepping <laughs> no, on your toes. Go, no, no, it's ahead.
0: fine. You're right to say that. And you know, for people who are American and in, in this, you know. This decade is, I mean, this was the quintessential American time and JFK was sort of like the youthful optimist president who, you know, By some interpretation, I know you're well aware of this. He was set up to be assassinated. He was set up to be killed in this ritualistic way. What James Shelby Downer and Michael Hoffman called "King Kill 33," right? So it's it seems like the American, you know, sort of bucolic vision of suburbia had been built on top of this sort of occult infrastructure it never really had a a, a fair chance it 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 always been sort of corrupted by this would you agree
1: well there's a couple angles you know the leave it to beaver idea is what you're pointing at and while truly i think we could argue that the 50s was in fact a bit of a golden age underneath it all how cities get founded and things got done yeah it's been dark occult and without james shelby downer michael hoffman i don't know how we ever would have got the tip of the hat to comprehend the tools to take it apart but you know as for jfk i don't you know we're talking about assassin. i don't i don't accept that we know anything about an assassination All, all the film and everything that has burned this seared this into our mind it's all a put up whether or not he died i have people who are quite connected in the know that assure me he did but it didn't happen on that film i can tell you that for certain but the occult nature of it can even be seen just in the date that was chose 11, 22, 63. Well, we got the nine 11 idea, right? Cause 11 and six plus three, there's your nine 11 idea. We've got the master Masonic builder number 22 in the middle there. If we add the 11 with the 22, we got our 33 and on and on it goes. And this is just kind of a childish way of getting a general sense of what's going on. In other words, what I just did, there is not enough on its own to, uh, to to make bold claims, but with everything else around it, then you can start to make bold claims. And Jason and I are getting to record, the, are getting ready to record an episode on the Kennedy skit, as I like to call it, from the perspective of James Shelby Downer, Michael Hoffman being the editor of that. I just interviewed him, and I asked him how much of that was you. He claims maybe fifteen percent. He did all the editing. But he attributed Shelby with the majority of the ideas at 80 or 85%. The point is, is once you read that, you're not going to look at things the same way. And there's a thing that apparently can't be published. You know, the only really the place to get that text anymore is from him. It's basically a PDF or I maybe you can order it printed. And he is also the keeper of all the James Shelby Donner stuff we we haven't seen he sent me some stuff personally but it's a heck of a thing it's a slap across the face when you see just kind of how entrenched this controlling dark selfish mechanism is that's been with us for longer than i've been here for sure
0: yeah yeah it is this you know haunting figure in america's past and and present really i mean it has not been vanquished but Yeah, I'm I'm impressed and I'm excited to tune into that and maybe see if there's anything new that you've been able to dig up through you know what Michael has about Hoffman or Downard. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, I'm a fan of Hoffman. I helped him set up that podcast that he's been publishing to lately, and yeah, I'm glad to see someone. From his era in this era, right, you know, contiguously working towards the same goal that he
1: he had set out on. But here's the thing about Hoffman that should be mentioned: he comes from an era and an education level of what a true researcher used to be. He truly does research from information sources that were put together by other learned men who put their research out fully intending that the communities that took an interest would scrutinize it. In other words, what they were writing had to hold up mostly. And that level of research is almost gone with the internet as a matter of fact the the internet as an information source at this point is gotten worse by the day as a matter of fact i regularly use wikipedia to vet things because i know if i've got a question about an important idea whatever wikipedia says that's evidence that i should be going in the opposite direction that's (laughs) that's how bad it has gotten i used it as i'm vetting the yugas the cycles of time hindu cycles of time all idea called the yugas but i differ in my i while i stand on the shoulders of james shelby Downer and by proxy michael hoffman i'm old enough to remember a time when research was done like that that's why i go for the old books if i can get a book from the end of the 1800s i'm all about it it's before what i call the modern edit and the research levels and the learned levels of the people writing are much higher than we have right now. That's my point of view. But where I begin to differ is whether death occurs all the time in these things. I maintain that it is enough if people believe death occurred, but you've got to realize if you've read everything you Can get your hands on by James Shelby Downer, he was surrounded by a lot of death, people being murdered, death traps that he narrowly missed. So all that's coming from that kind of very gritty close to the action point of view and you know i'm i'm at a later a later level of researching and using what i've learned from them and i've found on plenty of occasions that the death was implied but it didn't matter in the minds of everybody it occurred so maybe that satisfies the sacrificial idea that's being promised certainly the fear aspect that is intended
0: right right Yeah, giving people a mass dose of trauma has certainly proven effective to condition a large population. And I agree with you. It almost seems like the Internet encourages this amateur take on anything conspiracy and this sort of slipshod scrutiny where anything can just get, you know, pushed into this broad category of vault satanic or conspiratorial and it damages the credibility
1: of all of us in a way but Uh, well this this comes back to our free will right i'm not interested in conspiracy and if someone wants to try to lump me that way i guess that's their pleasure because they have free will too my point being is i go for research and i go for using the tools at my disposal for simply taking on any issue that I do as if it is any other issue. Is this true? Are there problems with it? It has nothing to do with conspiracy. And even the word conspiracy is backwards because while the people supposedly researching are being called the conspirators, the truth of it is, is they are trying to point out a conspiracy. So it's all bass, backwards and nonsensical. And each of us has an opportunity, you know, do what you're doing with a good heart. Don't lie about things. Do the best you can. If you make a mistake, get back up and say, sorry, I blew it here. And that kind of undermines the crafty labels that will be thrown. But, you know, we all know how the internet is. How many people talk about jumping down rabbit holes for a living? Well, to me, that's, that's not a healthy thing. A rabbit hole has no resolution you know and if you can't get to some firm idea of something then you're kind of on a hamster wheel
0: mhm yeah the, there was a disturbing be commercial i saw this uh super bowl which i don't normally watch any television let alone the super bowl but this commercial was <laughs> giant rabbits picking people up and throwing them down a hole and uh, you know the fact that that rabbit hole phrase is being pushed out in the you know mainstream like that is telling of its you know implications and i agree with you i think people get you know happy too happy going down rabbit holes and and you know miss the point that we need to be you know coming up with a explanation and not just being, you know, constantly dazzled by
1: the So do you get why there were a couple commercials that were sent to me but the rabbit one, do you get what it's leveraging off of? It's the Chinese New Year and there's The year is the rabbit. As a matter of fact, I just recorded with Wayne McCroy and Jason, and we covered the year of the rabbit. Mm -hmm. So, 2023 is the year of the rabbit. When I was telling you earlier that the sky clock cycles are giving us favorable energies to stand up and do some things for ourselves, the year of the rabbit, I'm actually by birth, I would be under the zodiacal sign of the rabbit. It's the luckiest of signs it's good fortune it's ease and unencumbered and so what are they doing they're taking this luckiest of symbols and having them people get thrown down a rabbit hole that's contrary to what it means it's supposed to be relaxed and easygoing, mm. not people getting chucked down holes <laughs> so even their stupid ass commercial is making a mockery of the energies because most people make a mockery of the energies themselves And the reason for that is the reason I invented the word sky clock. It's important. I can prove that it's important. Anyone who's lived a year of their life gets the energies of the sky clock. The entirety of nature gets the energies. They're run by it to some degree. We are too, but less so because we have free will in a different way than animals do. But the point I would make is if I said, wanted to talk about astrology, all the astronomers, You know, left the room, flipped us off on their way out the door. If I wanted to talk about astronomy around my scope work, then all the astrologers would shut the door. And I realized that it's programming through language. So I came up with the term sky clock. And to some degree, it's worked. Now, we often have conversations of people that are more interested in what we call astrology and others who are more interested in what we call astronomy. But, you know, if we go back to the day of Tycho Brahe, a man whose work I admire, they were both the same thing, which it should be. You know, it's like going to the doctor, right? I hurt my foot, so I've got to see a foot doctor. Wasn't my foot attached to the rest of my body? Why, why have we split all these professions down to one? It isn't wellness the whole being. So why are we, you know, it's the same idea. My point being is that those commercials are casting a dark cloud if you if you accept it, if you allow it. They're, they're casting opposing energies to what's actually there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: you're making a great point and uh, yeah, they're they're inverting these symbols right. like the rabbit and uh, you know you you're talking about your sky clock and I agree with you. I think things have sort of changed a little bit and one example I can give is my friend who I really recommend you have on your show if you haven't already. His name is Michael Wan. And he talks a lot about baseline reality because like you, he he sees how people are sort of lost in the terms when we talk about astronomy and astrology. And what he tries to remind people is that there's a baseline that we all can agree upon. And that is what you see when you're standing with your two feet on the ground, looking up at the stars. And that that's the baseline, and everything else is, you know, technically, you know, a sort of subjective take, right? So if we could all get back to, well, what's objective? That that would make a big difference. Another example of that is uh, in the realm of Tycho Brahe, Simon Shack who I recently had on the show and I imagine you may have I'm not sure I hope you you do if you haven't because he's taken Tycho's work and pushed it forward into the modern age creating this really interesting simulation on a website where you can go and view the universe the solar system the way Brahe saw it or the way he he posed you know his model of a geo heliocentric universe and i'm wondering i guess to to rephrase this in a question do you have any thoughts on on the the geo heliocentric model do you agree with that
1: well i have spoke with mr shock and i actually supported i donated towards his work because i think it's important that we wake up Mm. and quit taking the guys that we were handed like Kepler and Copernicus and go back to someone like Brahe, who was marginalized, was actually true observation, man, not just creating clever math, mm. which is what Copernicus and Kepler did. No observation to speak of. You know, I've studied Brahe. As a matter of fact, Kepler didn't even know how to use the tools. And this is just prior to the invention of the telescope, we are told. Yeah, I the, the closest model that I currently accept, and this is hard to talk about because NASA If we see a circle in a so called planet, we're already thinking in orbit because we've been taught to think that way, like the moon. For me, the moon is not rock and dirt. But to get to the point, Brahe's model, and there are, I've read a couple variations, is the one that I accept currently with everything I have at my disposal. That was later and people argue about this, but I, I know it's true because I saw it in a couple places. Steiner gave a nod and while they're due in some of the drawings, there are slight differences. I would say that the overall ideas are in the same place. So here you have, I don't know, what is it? A secret society? Is it Rosicrucianism? Whatever you want to call. These are some of the secrets that they're divulging. So low level secrets, I would imagine. Pretty sure they're not given the cash register to the customer. But these are the models that I think are the most helpful. And the other thing is, is in this age of materialism, we don't evaluate things, you know, to give them their proper due. Like, you know, here's the earth, however you choose to think about it, that's your choice, but is it alive? So for me, the answer to that is yes. And that changes a lot of the ways I think about things. So when I know that this part of the creation that I can walk on, I accept as alive. When I look up, that's part of the creation too. So is it alive? And for me, the answer to that is yes. And so when we begin to think in a different way, it's far from how NASA would have us thinking about things they want you to accept that this is all just rock and dirt and we can go out into space if we have the right protection in this magical vacuum we've described. And by the way, we've got a magical rover on Mars right now. China has a magical rover, though. I think it's supposed to be broken, of course, on the moon right now. And what is it? Sierra, the rabbit, right. everything to do about the, the rover from China. It's all about the myth of Cheng Yi and the rabbit and he he, you so i'm just saying that we've got to get back to a more natural nature-based perspective Mm -hmm. for me there's no lie in nature so when i learn something that's real nature does what nature does but when we listen to these places that lie to us so much they get us as far away from that mindset as they can right right and and I
0: believe it's either Japanese or Chinese mythology. The moon is thought of as a sort of rabbit or a hare. So, yeah, I mean, the the symbolism is compounding on itself. Not to mention, Hoffman writes in Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare Under Lunacy, he talks about how the moon landings were considered by the Zunis a profane act that could spell the end of the moon mother's gifts to humankind she could cause droughts or floods and even massive human infertility which we are definitely seeing in the year 2023 many zunis called the space odyssey white man's witchcraft and some old men felt that perhaps this was another omen of the coming death of the world
1: all right. Well, there's a lot of things you just said there. I'm reasonably sure the Chinese view is that where we see the man on the moon, they see the rabbit. But the myth of the rabbit and Chang'e, or Ch- it's just spelled change with an apostrophe before the e. The the immortal lady up there. We've we've covered the myth, but to get to the Zuni, yeah, they're right. So here they're looking at this creation as a living gift, which has provided everything we've ever needed, which it has which technology seeks mightily to get you to forget about. And so when you consider their concerns and they call it witchcraft, well, what is it? When someone tells a lie and uses worldwide media and dark techniques to get everyone to believe in their lie, isn't that witchcraft or dark magic or whatever we call it? So the Zunis aren't wrong. So how is it that we've got Zunis, which are looked at by most of us as less than getting it right? when the majority of us got it wrong. And to me, the main difference is, is they're close to the creation close to nature where you learn true things that you don't have to question. And, and here's where we are. I I don't think I'm aware of anybody right now that I talk to regularly that accepts we went to the moon. I remember the year that I came out to the East coast here to take care of my mother, I think it was that year National Geographic put the tinfoil lunar lander on the cover, trying to shame the people, which had gotten to be half of us or something that didn't accept it. I couldn't believe it when I, I went to the Johnson Space Center on my way out here and they've got a replica of this thing. It is literally a little stick built tinfoil cover. It's ridiculous. <laughs> to think that thing would go anywhere or do anything. And the problems we can point out with what we've been told are endless. It's just not true. So who's right? Are the Zunis right? Or is NASA right? Yeah, I'm going to go with the former. I,
0: I uh, and I agree with you. I think there is truth in nature and we have certainly lost our way as a, as a people, not all of us as an, in, as individuals, but certainly as, as a whole, we've We've neglected the groups of us that are in close connection with nature, and you know we see that unfolding worse and worse as more trains derail, unloading coals, which are control burned into the atmosphere. I mean it, this is what they're resorting to 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 manage the environment, burning chemicals it's it's ridiculous what what's going on. And yeah, that's just what they're, that's just what they're, you know, showing us, so to speak. I mean, they really didn't even show many people that one that came out because of citizen journalists and local news stations, but that kind of thing goes on all the time. And yeah, I, I wonder if, if there is a sort of alchemical fix because you're well aware of someone like George Wiseman. I know you've had him on your show. I've had him on my show, too. I'm a big proponent of Brown's gas. And when we think about Brown's gas, it's, it's hydrogen. The same thing that our sun is, we're told, you know, burning up, right? The sun is a burning ball of hydrogen, according to these astronomers. And it, it makes sense that this life-sustaining body in the sky would have this sort of alchemical secret along with it, right? That hydrogen, when taken into your body, is a nutrition. I mean, it should be a no-brainer, but our science has been so compartmentalized and reduced down to allopathic medicine to the point where we can't even... I mean, we, not you and I, but doctors don't even think in those terms of, oh, well, the sun gives the whole world life. So maybe the the hydrogen in the sun is good for us, too. I mean, it it should be a no brainer. But, you know, for for them, they they just don't see that as logical.
1: Well, you know, it, it comes back to the way we've been trained to think about things to this day for someone to appreciate what the sun does for this world, the actual light of this world, you know, the thing that brings daylight, they have these ideas that somehow you're pagan or you're an evil worshiper of an evil thing. The sun's, without the sun, there's no life here. Nothing about the way we do things is here. So how is it that we don't appreciate what the sun does? And I don't accept that it's burning hydrogen, but the alchemical idea you mentioned, of course, because when we say alchemy, what are we actually saying? Someone trying to determine how nature does what it does so that it can use those proven effective methods used by nature to do the things that being wants to accomplish. Right. So that's why so much like Downard showed so much of what goes on in this world to fool people or to control things is based on alchemical ideas because nature proves that it works. It's just like a knife, right? I could do some really helpful things, carve beautiful statues, you know, do whatever a knife will do for me, or I could use it in a bad way. I could do damage or hurt people. So it's, it's all here. We just decide whether it gets used properly or improperly. And we've reached an era right now. It's coming to a head where the forces that have quite a bit of power are openly improperly using almost everything they touch with a single goal to get absolute iron fisted control over every life here. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I feel like, Let's say 60 years ago, it was it was different in the sense that there was an opportunity for these tools of industry to be used in a, let's say, techno guyanistic way with an Earth-first mindset towards technology, and it and it seems like you know big corporate fascist interests have pushed that dream into the, the, you know, sort of back corners of the mind by, I I guess, eroding the already sullied reputation of the hippies and that whole crowd of, of, you know, sort of revolutionary thinkers. I mean, what what are your thoughts on on that realm? You recently put out two, probably more conversations in this realm, you know, over the past few months or so. Do you think that 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 was a part of this, uh, you know, entrainment? they they were aware that that generation would have this sort of boosted potential and, and they did everything they could to derail that trage- trajectory?
1: You know, we came... The idea of the baby boomers comes off the idea that, you know, we got out of World War II and then in the 50s it was a golden age and everyone was having children. Those, the baby boomers, lots and lots of children. Yeah. So the children had got to an age, and from my point of view, they truly were going to change things. For the first time, young people were going to have some say. And one of the things was, we're not down with our parents' world. We're not down with war. We're not down with all these things. And the social engineers went to work. And it worked more beautifully, I think, than any they could have ever hoped for. They took a generation apart. They broke the family unit. They broke the moral values that were previously ours in this country. They normalized drug use, drugging the living bejesus out of not just that generation, but it echoes all the way into this generation. It was quite, quite successful. That's why we talked so much about the 60s to show that that social engineering was effective in ways we'll probably never imagine. And what's interesting is they even managed to kill the peace love idea. That they fostered in a weird direction in the last month of the decade with the altamont after that after manson and altamont the hippie movement was viewed in an entirely different distrustful way and so you know it is what it is but when we look backwards we can recognize the social engineering that was behind it you know we started taking the music apart which was basically the messaging system And the soundtrack of that period of time. And we showed that even that was a construct controlled by social engineers. And it's not really arguable, but people get upset because we love the soundtrack of our life. We love the Beatles and we don't even want to consider that it was something other than a thing that we can just listen to and love. But it was wholly something other.
0: Yeah, I mean even look at the term British Invasion, right? <laughs> they use military terms to to describe that cultural musical movement, but you're right. I mean, certainly people are aware of David McGowan or Dave McGowan's book Weird Scenes in the Canyon, talking about Laurel Canyon, and all of that music was financed by military industrial the the military industrial complex. So Yeah, the messaging and it's, it feels like they're, they were getting ahead of something though, right? I mean, do you think that it was kind of risky for them to, you know, put all of this messaging? in this sort of free love kind of thing or do you think that was the point to to give people this sort of radical idea
1: of themselves and their role in in the world the social engineers of this world are really quite genius and they're not one or two in it there are so many facets and outcomes that are interconnected that it becomes difficult to you know act like any one thing but it's clear the beatles were a tavistock construct all there is to it one of them got swapped out right in front of our face one of the most recognizable people in the world paul mccartney was swapped out we now know that it's likely there were doubles for endless other bands because that level of communication where you're a big band and a million peoples are exposed to stuff that's controlled and people are going to think that's crazy talk but you know if you want to go at least read mcallen's work then you'll see It's not crazy at all, it's demonstrable. And this is what happened. And when you begin to realize, you said it, the British invasion was exactly that. We had a second British invasion that no one talks about. It was MTV. Almost all the early music on MTV came from Britain. For some reason, here in America, we couldn't make a video living as close to Hollywood as we did. I'm just pointing out, and it's all been social programming. And what's weird about it is even if, if you don't want to believe that's true, go listen to the music of the 50s and see the the tone and tenor, the kind of upbeat nature and just compare. It's like almost every decade they take this cookie cutter and say, OK, this decade's over. And now we're doing something different. It really is engineered to that level. And we've done a lot of work to show it, but it's just difficult when we have to face like when I was young, music was Major part of my life. I mean, like a major part of it. So later in life, having to face that that was all a put up and not what I thought. And the musicians I love probably or provably didn't even play on their own albums. That's a jagged pill to swallow. Mm-hmm.
0: Like they were merely figureheads, right? And there were maybe more talented musicians being paid way less in the studios. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: And they were assets. They mm-hmm. were actors. They were playing a role. You can even see George Harrison doing interviews and talking about when he finally woke up. And they said, well, when was that? He said, 1966. You know, that's supposedly the year the original paul mccartney died and was swapped out but he goes on to say things like well it's hard enough for me to pretend that i'm me and things like that just to show the level of what was actually going on and you know we we can show look at it this way you've all heard about what studio time is right it's expensive and, you know, so one of the things about the Beatles is magically they got all the studio time they wanted. Someone was paying for that. But my point is we logically worked it out at first until we had the evidence that showed. Would you take semi-skilled musicians or famous people that are not the best musicians and try to get a perfect album out of them a 100 or 200 or 500 takes or whatever? Or would you bring in some hired guns and get it on the first take every time? With some of the best musicians, it turns out that's what was going on. Anyone could go watch the movie called The Wrecking Crew. Muscle Shoals had a version. They were called The Swampers. They've been known to do a song or two, as Leonard Skinner informed us. And Hired Gun, I think, is the other one that shows from basically, I think it might be the late 50s, see the late 50s, early 60s, into well into the mid 70s, that studio musicians were pumping out all the soundtrack to our lives, the ones that mattered. So it's not what we were told at the time. As a matter of fact, at the time, there was a band called the Monkees who admitted that they were a put up and they weren't musicians and they got backlash for that. And then they learned how to play so they could go out to tour. But it's almost like they floated the Monkeys idea just to see how people would accept it. But it's crazy when you know how it all really happened. It doesn't resemble what you've been told happened.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how the music taste or culture has shifted away from band's primarily with you know people playing instruments to like these you know pop star singer types who you know they could easily just use the same studio musician to create all the digital beats for these musicians right and that's essentially what happens i'm sure is they they have you know one or two producers creating the tracks for all of these you know really cheap (laughs) melodies and songs that are generally on the billboards but wow yeah to go back to the monkeys you know they were kind of interesting i remember hearing talking about this on a podcast how they they had this code name for for marijuana and they would kind of hint it in their show and the the final episode of the monkeys i think chris Knowles was talking about this the final episode of the monkeys deals with them you know trying to save the world from an evil wizard uh, or something like that. Who's controlling the minds of people through television? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. But the monkeys, yeah, they were they were revealing something there.
1: Well, maybe we should thank the monkeys for actually telling us the truth. I'm being facetious, <laughs> but the the point is, you know, Britney Spears is not known for writing music, right? She was one of the biggest pop stars, but here's here's a more apt example: Elvis never wrote any of his own music. He was basically a performer, right? Still known as the king. And the messaging that went into the music is a whole other thing. It is a whole other thing. It's an era of time that changed the world. And only just now are any number of us putting together how and why it happened. And what one of the things that bothered me was when I began to realize it was all social programming and a construct or the stuff that I cared about was that is I had to come to the realization that the music that I loved was a lower minded version of the music that was available about a decade before where every real musician wrote music and had a certain skill level, not all of them, but the majority, you know, they would still plenty of performing musicians, making their livings going here or there to play with big band or, or here and there all over the country People would travel around because they were skilled musicians. So when we got to rock and roll, there was some skill here and there, but it was a lower version and almost nobody had been trained musically or read music. And that template has followed on to now. Much of the music we call now music sometimes doesn't even have a melody or a harmony. Can you call that music without a melody or a harmony? Maybe it should be called I don't know, poetry to a beat or something, but the same ideas there and the same way my generation, the musical skill of the whole conglomerate had been lowered, that continues and it continues on steroids now. And as you pointed out, most of the pop stars now, you know, I I was reading a thing that claimed there's two guys that wrote something like 80% of all modern pop music. I haven't. Followed down this thread, but I read the claim and I thought, well, that that sounds almost believable. I might I might take a look at it at some point.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's definitely a part of this programming that has degraded. I mean, you're not the only person who's saying this. You know, people are noticing that when you go back and you look at a book written maybe a hundred years ago, the literacy level, the, the, the comprehension, the retention of information, it's superior to the average person today, you know? And luckily we have this outlet that is podcasting. I'm grateful for it because, you know, a couple years ago, I was just uh, delivering packages thinking like, geez, I know all this stuff, but what am I going to do with it? And, you know, listening to people like yourself pushing these ideas with with you know integrity and and motive you know motivated me to, to get involved but yeah I, I think podcasting is is sort of one of the the only <laughs> uplifting things in culture and media because it is sort of unfiltered right you know anybody can start a podcast and 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 create one pretty well you know the, the production quality you can achieve being, you know, sole creator is pretty high comparative to maybe 20 or 30 years ago. So yeah, the the landscape is a little different. The information's more available, but people are, are at the point where their attention span, <laughs> you know, they don't want to sit to a uh, two, three, four hour podcast. They want to watch a 15 minute clip.
1: Nurture social engineering. Right. You you pointed out that people in the 1800s had a better vocabulary, were better educated. An educated person back then, regularly, you see, they spoke three, four languages, certainly Latin and Greek, so they could read the classics in the uh, attributed language. But just grab one of those letters, the penmanship, gorgeous. They're not even teaching children cursive anymore. One of the reasons, I assume, is so they won't be able to read the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, but the real reason, I suspect, is because AI doesn't do very well with handwriting, which I've tested, and I think that's probably correct. But the fall is continuous, and this idea of no attention span brought on by how digital tools have been put in front of us, that's part of it. How are you ever going to learn to do things, or what if you want to become A good musician that takes time it takes practice it takes learning and with no attention span, this isn't going to happen what you'll probably do is go get an app that'll write your music or do your things for you you mentioned early on when you used to pick up the rotary phone i think i can remember a time when i had 20 phone numbers in my head minimally that doesn't go on anymore It would almost seem superhuman for someone to remember 20 phone numbers now, and that was commonplace when I was young. This digital world is a double-edged sword, and people think we're in the information age, but I would put forward that what we're actually in is the age of deception. When the internet broke, and maybe for the first couple, two, three, four-ish years of YouTube, there was the beginning of a true information age, And during that time, so many of the false narratives in this world were so readily taken apart immediately, same day they happened, that they weren't going to be able to get away with the programming they're always doing with a train or whatever they're doing this week. And so the censorship came, but people forget how quickly the censorship came. And even before we were aware of it, it was still going on because they were limiting who got notified or who could see the views. And what people really don't realize is now, all these years later, when AI has been openly admitted and whatever you're admitted is 50 years behind, you know, any technology that's getting out to the public is usually 50 years behind what's actually possible. On many of these platforms that are so used every day by everyone, you have a 50% chance of either talking to a thread that was started by a bot or actually interacting with a bot. You think is a human, that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. And, and, and how, how I I just, you know, I'm a little bit weird and Pete like Jason and Pete, they get mad at me all the time because my telephone, I will never use unless it is a dire emergency to look up any information other than the weather or the tide table. I call maybe three or four people, I text those same three or four people, so the amount of time I use my phone in a day is quite limited. When it gets to be nine o'clock at night, my phone goes away from me so that I can't even hear it. I don't turn it on again until the next morning at usually around nine o'clock-ish and I have made these rules because I will not be slaved out and misinformed, and I haven't paid for a movie. Well, that's actually not true. The last one I remembered paying for was I took my nephew to Prometheus way back, but the truth is I did pay for Ready Player One because I knew what it was about and regretted paying for it when I did it, and it used to be Years, you know, 15 or more years ago, well, I won't pay for it. It'll be on TV soon enough. But now I don't even care the the entertainment is offensive to me simply because I'm not exposed to it all the time. Like right now, could you imagine a movie like, I don't know, Sound of Music or something? I can't think of a more benign movie, but you get what I'm saying. Can you imagine a movie like Sound of Music coming out now? No, what we're getting is John Wick where they're trying to break the murder head count. How many times can you shoot someone in the head point blank in two hours? You know, they're going for that record. And the thing about that kind of so-called entertainment is means you're okay with violence at that level, but it desensitizes you. The first time you see a thing that is shocking, you know, you're truly, you've been offended. That was shocking. I'm horrified by that. And then you see it again. And again and again. And by the thousandth time, that kind of shocking event has been put in front of you. It's been normalized. It's no longer shocking to you. And that's what most of media does these days. The news gets more shocking. The movies get more violent and shocking. And there's a subconscious effect. Now let's throw the gaming in. I I never gamed. Luckily I had nephews and I watched them and I caught on really quick. This is going to be a problem. And I saw with my own two eyes, that could be a very addictive thing to get involved with. But the majority like the lion's share of all the games were first person shooters. There's your violence again. So when my nephews were 11 and 12, they would be on a headset playing with people all over the world and into their lexicon had come words from snipe him, frag him, kill him, shoot him. That has a subconscious effect on a culture. And, you know, John Wick is the easy example for the maybe more adult entertainment, but the children are still watching it. This is lowering human consciousness and your subconscious is being affected, whether you recognize it or not. And these are some of the big problems we need to overcome. We need to get back to treating one another with respect and interacting respectfully with one another and being perfectly okay with other people having a different idea. Because this new programmed existence driven by the Internet and media has trained everybody that if you don't think like I do, I can't even be friends with you. It's the whole purpose for the red blue paradigm, which was created by bankers, which we have shown from a speech in 1924. At odds, everybody, if you're blue, you can't be friends with someone who claims to be red. And the sad part is it's all social programming to begin with your mind is far more expansive than being jammed in a little blue box and following blue ideas or otherwise. And these are the things that we really need to overcome in this mass information era.
0: Right, right. And for folks who... Are maybe new to this realm of thinking and hearing this and saying to themselves oh this this guy just sounds like a a prude or something you know keep in mind folks you know all of these industries are propped up by the military industrial complex the film music industry and you know in the back end in the underbelly of these industries are you know organized crime i was just speaking with chris knowles last night and he was Going in great length about the underbelly of the comic book industry and how there were direct connections between what was going on with MKUltra Experiments and the comic book Wonder Woman of all comics.
1: So I, I have firsthand experience. When I was in the 80s, I collected comic books, which is already ridiculous because in the 80s, I was too old to be involved in such childish things. When I was very young, science fiction was for children. You wouldn't caught an adult for the most part. It was looked down on because it was lower minded. But eventually I stopped. And what I realized was through the Marvel franchises and how many minds that affected and what was it about and when was it released, you know, the end game in 2019, Mm -hmm. clearly echoing what's coming on in the world so i actually went out and i subscribed to a handful of comics the first one arrived apocalyptic the second (laughs) one arrived apocalyptic and the reason i did this is to see what are they putting into young people's minds every one of them is this bereft of hope storyline most of them post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic and all of them violent to the T and, you know, you called me a prude. Well, in a way I am because I've learned that I can't unsee things. So I guard my mind. I try actively not to see things that I might wish I could unsee. And the violence is a huge part of that. How can we be involved in all this mock violence and entertainment violence, and then go out into the real world and have any level of compassion? that we could muster had we not been exposed subconsciously to all that killing and taking of lives and blowing things up. And it's just that people have been normalized by this. And it's interesting that, that you use the word prude because it's true. I have turned myself into a prude, but you're reflecting what most people think of a human being speaking in the way I am. And the truth of it is, is I'm trying to be a decent human being and get back to common sense and have respect for living things. And in the examination of trying to get myself back to that place, I discluded all the violence and just lowbrow heinousness that drives entertainment culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm right there with you. Call me a prude too, folks. And I think that's a very wise way to to approach life especially in this age of deception as you very aptly put it and you know we're both New Englanders i think there is a a sort of spirit that we have here in New England ironically New England is probably the worst name for a place full of patriots because you know this country wouldn't be in the position it is with our constitution and bill of rights without New England now i know we both can see how that's been compromised over the years, but that's exactly why I'm bringing this up is because you mentioned how they are not teaching children cursive, possibly to keep them from understanding the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which are
1: written by hand in cursive. Or anything written in the old style, not right. just, but those were just examples. But think of all the things they won't be able to read. Everything their grandparents wrote, you see. Mm, I understand, yeah. Well, and, and I, I wonder
0: if you've looked into, you know, the history of this country, because I, well, I know you have, I don't have to ask you that, but your your recent episode for Crow triple seven radio.com is decoding American, his story and evoking the personified legal fictions. And, you know, I'm curious about, you know, when exactly you think, you know, we turned away from the constitution and the bill of rights. I heard recently from another source, it it may have been the war of 1812. Do you have an idea of, of maybe like a date we can look back to when things started to, to become compromised?
1: Well, if people want to hear the true story and how it happened, you can go catch episode 484, which is the last one I just published at crow777radio.com. There's a few dates that really, really matter. We take apart seven of them, I think, in that episode, but we didn't even make it a hundred years, this country, before things were already being jacked up. The big dates, 1933. From that point forward, we've been officially viewed, not in public, not admitted in courtrooms as enemy combatants under a state of emergency that's never been rescinded. The coming away from the gold standard, which started back then, I think it was finished in whatever it was, 71, 72. There's a whole series of events that shows that from the officialdom's point of view, the amendments... Bill of Rights and the Constitution don't even apply to you because you're basically an enemy combatant. And when people hear that, they laugh. But I just interviewed a man who laid down the timeline, the court cases you need to see that prove it, the historical events, the date of those events. And it's not deniable. It just isn't. And we have a lot to undo. And of course, people could rightly say, I can't be entered into contracts that I didn't know existed. You're right. And yet that's what's happened. And the real problem is that we live in a system that has normalized the fact that you've been entered into agreements or contracts without your knowledge. So even our system is built on nonsense. So it remains to be seen how it gets dealt with. Do we just wake up one day and in mass say, no, none of this was honest or right. Maybe if enough of us did it at the same time, otherwise, you gotta know what to do and how to do it if you want to change that classification. But that's a bit infuriating too, because it means you have to interact with the very foulness that imposed the stuff in the first place. There's no easy answers here, yeah. but it is what it is. And we we act like and the news gets us to believe that the constitution and all these things are a big deal. Well, they were a big deal because they were written in a time where a living man or a living woman was endowed by the creator for lack of a better way to frame it. But that didn't even last a hundred years before someone came with an ax and started chipping away at that Oak tree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know you don't use that term Oak tree without, you know, weight, because it is true. An Oak tree preserved our constitution in some way. I don't know. Maybe you use that but are you aware of the, the charter Oak story and how England almost made Connecticut a part of the Dominion of New England. And Connecticut fought them off by hiding their charter in an oak called the Charter Oak, and that led to the Constitution, essentially. It was one of the only constitutions around when the Constitution was written. It was sort of used as a template. So, yeah, it was definitely... (laughs) There's an oak tree. See, but
1: even that story starts to undermine what it means to be a living being. So you're telling me some words got written on a piece of paper, and what happened to that piece of paper was the arbiter of whether we would be free or whatever we're trying to go for. So even the way that these legends and myths, even if there's truth to them, the way they're being conveyed to us is pulling our minds away from the truths of nature. I was endowed by the creator with the divine spark of life. No piece of paper can do anything about that. The only thing that can change that idea is if I begin to believe in things and I surrender that truth, I was endowed and granted free will. And with free will comes creative power. And with those two things, some of the biggest tests that we'll ever undergo in this realm because of the decisions we choose or choose not to do. And lastly, the creator granted me as beneficiary of this creation. And so much of what we're talking about has been implemented to try to remove that last truth, to take you from being a beneficiary and turn you into a trustee. And it's worked. Because now, in this era, when a cop pulls us over and says, let me see your ID, And then he reads the name and says, is this you, Joe Smith? You say yes. Well, I got a newsflash for you. You are not your name. And if you ever took a close look at that name, you would recognize that it's written in a way that you don't even write your name. It's in all capital letters. There's a reason. These things are not coincidence. They're they're not conspiratorial. It is what it is, and it's been demonstrated. So if people want to ignore it or argue about it, that's their privilege. But you are not your name. Think back to the old, really old movies like Indians, American Indians. There's a baby born and the mother looks out of the teepee in the way they portrayed it and sees a bear running and says, this child will be named running bear. Do you see what's going on there? The truth in nature is being observed as a new life comes in and a reality that was witnessed or something about the spirit of the event is being assigned to the living being. And yet that assignment of a name is not the living being. It is something the living being uses. And we're pretty much confused about that now. You show up in any court of law, they take a piece of paper, they read a name, and then they ask if it's you. And the moment you open your mouth to say, yes, you've entered into an agreement or a contract or however you choose to put that. And this is one of the basic mindsets we need to improve upon. We are not some letters on a paper. We're divined with the divine gift of life. We're infinitely more than ever can be written on an ID card or an assignment of something that we're called. And you can even see through history, like when we quit saying thee and thou, even that was way closer to respecting the reality of what a living being actually is. And if we heard someone say thee or thou now, we'd think, what's this old-timey Bible smatcher doing? But what we have now is me and you and I and, the worst of all, a person which has been put to such adept use in the legal systems. But the main rant there is that there's truth in the natural world. And that's what we forget for these things to have an effect. And we need to get back to appreciating this creation of which we were in fact made beneficiaries and claiming these rights back.
0: Well said. I appreciate you correcting me and clarifying there. Cause yeah, there, there's no reason for us to put a, a paper over our divine given right to to sovereign will. Yeah, I'm with you. you.
1: You can read in some old writings where someone's going out to a more report remote part of the world and they'll say, well, they'll ask who's the brother or something like that. And in the other, closer to the land culture, they will say I'm the one or they will say to a group of their family, the one is going out to hunt for food. And we don't catch the import of what's actually just been done there. The way they think is more helpful because it's tied to the reality where there is no lie of the natural world recognizing the value of a, of a living being. And what legal ideas do in this era is seek to undermine that and cheapen it and deny God-given rights, or however you choose to accept that you got your divine spark of life. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, so
0: we're sort of coming up on the 90-minute mark. We got about 15 minutes left. Sir, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about what you're planning on doing Moving forward in in this year of the water rabbit, you say it's a a lucky year, and it sounds like we have some optimism or reason for optimism this year. Any final thoughts, advice, you know, for people listening who want to be a part of that and want to help harmonize with this so that we can elevate consciousness and, and, you know, get away from this sort of spiral into depravity and, and declined consciousness?
1: The only thing we really can do for the most part is to be a fantastic example, an example so good that people want to follow the example. If we want to be honest, the truth is is I only have responsibility and control over my choices. And while I'm married, I might have some input into what my wife does, but I do not control choices. If I had children, maybe I would have a little more, but for the most part, what other people do is their free will. And we act like we should be able to judge or control somehow that they would do something different or think different. What I try to do to the best of my ability is I usually say a prayer before I go on the air and I pray and I ask for guidance That what I'm about to do teaches compassion, respect for all life, recognizes the importance of the creation as the provider of everything that we've ever needed and the measure of everything here. And these types of ideas and respect, if we begin to change our mindset and recognize that really I can do what I can do, and maybe if I do it well enough, people will respect it enough to, to follow along or to take a cue and do better on their own volition. We've gotta get away from this dog eat dog world where we're judging one another, where we're hating on each other. The internet makes it so easy because every day we all see things written that a person would never say face to face in the real world. And yet we act like what we're doing on the internet is the real world. And I beg to differ. When I am face-to-face with a human being, it's a completely different dynamic. The main point is we need to decide whether we want to do better here. For my part, I want to do better. I want to be able to fix the mistakes that I make. I want to be better next year than I was this year. And for me, those goals require respect for all living things, compassion, and more than anything to set an example that maybe others will respect because I can't force anyone to do anything and I can't force them to accept or think in a way that I want to. So the truth is I can focus on me and do the best that I can with what I do have control over.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you. I appreciate you putting that Together for us here, it's a great sentiment to walk into this 2023, the year of the water rabbit. And uh, speaking of water, you you have an Aquacure, correct? I do. Would you mind telling us how you've used that? I mean, I have one, I use it. And I'm wondering, you know, what's your experience with with the Aquacure like?
1: Well, I guess I would say it's not for everybody. If you're a lazy person or not interested in following directions to set things up properly it's probably not for you if you don't want to have to clean a thing periodically then it's probably not for you and while it it's not the golden bullet or the magical pill what i notice is people who are healthy seem to notice far less improvement than people who are not But of the people who have issues, I have seen some pretty amazing things. breathe it and I drink the water. Mine has been on ice since my mother passed away. As a matter of fact, this week, we are going to clean it out thoroughly and get it going again. I treated my mother's melanoma on her head with success. She had dementia and that was a double-edged sword because within 15 minutes, she went from completely despondent, not present, to being able to speak, but... The downside was when she was present again, she would often realize how miserable she was. And so maybe it was better to let her think she was living her childhood happily than to bring her back to reality to be miserable and crying. It's a double-edged sword. There's no good answer, but it's real. The technology is real. I hope that it gets picked up more seriously in clinical trials, and I want to know more about it but it is the real deal, whether it's for everybody and for every situation. I think that remains to be seen, but for COPD, things like this, skin ailments, it really is quite an amazing thing.
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear that about your mother. I hope she rests in peace and God bless. And yeah, I'm I'm appreciating your take on the AquaCure. Yeah. I, I definitely want to collect as many, um, you know, sort of, I don't know if referral is the right term for it. I'm trying to think of what it's exactly called, but uh, yeah, I appreciate your, your take on, on your experience with the aqua cure. All right, crow. Well, folks, you know where to go for crow triple seven. Tune into the podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast, you can just search crow triple seven, make sure you double the R there. you want to promote or let people know it's on the way coming up soon before we wrap up?
1: while well, we're burning out two well-researched episodes a week on um, Wednesday and Sunday. All my work that matters is at crow 7 radiocom because I got tired of being censored and threatened by platforms. So I don't give them any respect or energy. All my platforms are just advertisements that say something new came out on my site. If you are a member, you get free access to the film Jason made, two-hour films, won 10 awards. It's all about the telescope work I did. It's called Shoot the Moon, and all members get free access. Other than that, oh, well, I guess I won't say that because I think you're doing it too. Other than that, thanks so much for having me on, and I'd like to wish you all the best, man. I hope you have a fantastic year of the water rabbit. Certainly the energies are in place for it to be a good year but we know damn well what the opposing forces are going to do. They're going to do like that commercial. They're going to take the lucky rabbit and have them chucking people down holes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beware, beware folks. And thank you. Thank you again. All right. Well folks go and sign up, check out Crow triple seven radio.com. And until next time immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Crow777, our returning champion. Uh, Sort of a shorter episode, but now a couple episodes this week. Dr. Joseph Farrell, Dr. Narco Longo, and now the great Crow777, who is always a favorite. I know people are going to love this episode. And if you do, please sign up on Patreon, Substack, Or Rockfin and support the show. And if you sign up on Patreon or Substack, you can get access to a brand new podcast that I've been putting together. It's a totally different format, totally different style. It's a series titled Strange New Haven, The Order of Skull and Bone. So go and check that out on the Patreon or the Substack. Big shout out to our sponsor, The Hit Kit. Go to The Hit Kit on Instagram or hit up hitkit.us online and check out the shop my man Garrett makes all of the hit kits himself Uh, he's straight out of Georgia American made uh, born and bred and makes a damn good product these hit kits I've had a couple of them for several months they're as good as new I love bringing them with me whenever I'm out if I'm taking some blunts with me I gotta have my hit kit there to keep them safe and sound So get yourself a hit kit and use that promo code crazy and you get 20% off. That's right. 15% off was not enough. Now it's going to be 20% off at checkout. So go and check that out. The hit kit, the number one way to get lit. And that's it. That's it for today's episode, folks. I'm going to keep it short and sweet and to the point. And thank you to everybody who tuned in. Thank you for being here. I really hope you support the show. I put out three high-quality episodes each week, and I can't do it without the support of folks like you. Of course, Crow777, you could find him uh, wherever you're listening to this show. Just search Crow777 Radio, and you can tune in each week. Him and Jason are pumping out episodes. They've got all kinds of interviews. We even talked to a very interesting gentleman uh, who is essentially... Count St. Germain, according to him. So go and listen to that and uh, support our guests here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. If you listen to Crow for the first time or you just love Crow's interviews here on the show, let them know. Reach out, say, hey, I love you on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. It's a great way to support the show. You can also leave a five-star review, send us a one-time donation, pick up some merch or of course, sign up on Patreon or Substack. All of the links to any of those ways to support the show that I just mentioned, they're all in the description of this episode. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whatever app you listen to, there should be a description to this episode with all the links. So don't stop here. Don't let the journey end here. Come on over and support us on Patreon and listen to the full catalog of of episodes. And while you're at it, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. we
2: had a good couple of weeks of shows,
0: you know? Mark is doing a great job, even yeah. though he drives me fucking nuts sometimes. <laughs> he's
2: great. No, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Good job, Mark. You can call me uh,
1: Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer's cool. Mark Palmer's It's a beautiful day
2: to be alive. Motherfuckers, it's a beautiful day. Much. it's just about it's, it's it's a spiritual war dude it's so much farther there's more power with spring flowers than pseudo-intellectuals filled by hate with the face sour. when it comes to the hour of reckoning recollect reconnect with days happening yeah are you frowning or laughing are you making the brain of barely passing caught in the asinine like the afterlife obsessed with darkness after you master light. Cause it's faster than a blink When it's a bastard latch to the clank, Clang The money don't mean a damn thing Think Happiness ain't coming from the bank Dang I'm out here daydreaming The spirit's the egg The self is the semen uh, And that's cause life is the child And it takes a village To give it the endless style So If your family think you crazy mm, And you ain't got a village No, you always got a place here Come kick it we chillin exactly dude you get it bro you're so smart everybody you're so smart feel like i'm waking up for the first time crusty's on my third eye but i'm back to the grind pop the blinds open let the sun shine Feel it on my skin like it's been sometimes. Sometimes depression got me playing like Sisyphus. Others got me messing with mania like Icarus. And meditation helps with the sickness. Some say it's human condition, but it just isn't. There's more power in spring flowers than circular thoughts that leave the mind devoured. Blurred lines between reality and fiction, and some politicians get dirtier than dishes. But for a minute, just forget about the government. I'm looking at you and I and where the love went Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't And your family think you crazy, yeah And you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here mm. Come kick it, we chillin', yeah I'm a conspiracy boy Motherfuckers, motherfuckers I'm a conspiracy boy Motherfuckers, a psychic i'm a prophet bro why, you why are you questioning, questioning that, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a beautiful day yeah, 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 beautiful yeah, beautiful yeah, day i never trust a dude in a sweater
1: that's all i gotta say
2: <laughs> mark Palmer's cool how are you brother i'm great man how are you